you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Barron, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Barron's 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. All right, welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. This is episode six. Can you believe it? No, I can't believe we're already on episode six, but this has been really fun just sharing our story with people and giving a little bit of information that we've kind of gathered over the last several years of doing this. I did say that my whole life has been a a real diet experiment, and really about the last six years, we've kind of started dialing in what works for us. We really have started conducting our own health experiments, and there's the keto train. It came early. So if you've been listening to us, you know we live by train tracks, and we don't record in a studio. We record this in our kitchen, our tactical kitchen, and the train runs by, and he honks his horn excessively. There's different conductors, and they all have their own pattern. It's crazy. So welcome to the keto train. Yeah, got to get used to the train. Add foods back in if you're eating delicious steak and butter all the time, or beef and all these delicious meats. And how we've really discovered we don't want to be keto, carnivore, zero carb, paleo, or anything else just to be doing it. We're really doing this to optimize our own health and our own performance and find what works for us. And we really think that all of you should be doing the same thing. We believe there's no one-size-fits-all diet. Everyone is different. So if you don't conduct these experiments, do your carnivore experiment, your keto, then how do you know what really works for you? And that's what we're going to talk about. But first. But first. We're going to do our weird nutritional facts of the week. This is my favorite thing because I love weird nutrition stories. I think some of them are so funny. And I think you found, and I know a lot of people might already know about this one, but you have one of my favorite all-time nutrition stories. It's just so funny. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that every morning they might be participating in this little experiment. (laughs) So everyone has heard of Kellogg, Kellogg Company. Well, there were the Kellogg brothers initially, and they had a... A wellness center, if you will, back in the day. Yeah. They actually made a movie about it called The Road to Wellness with Matthew Broderick, and it was really funny. It probably didn't even touch on how crazy those two brothers actually were because some of the things they did at their wellness center were amazing. And the one thing that I found that was really fascinating was the fact that that's where Kellogg's cornflakes were developed. And they developed them for a very specific reason, and that was to suppress testosterone in men so they would stop touching themselves all the time. Well, you know, they actually did some things to women that were way, just way off base crazy that I won't even mention here because we might have kids listening. <laughs> so, yeah, but the men, they really wanted to suppress testosterone so they would stop masturbating. Stop masturbating. And on, on that topic, masturbating is healthy, okay? It's not bad You shouldn't view it that way. You shouldn't try to make people think of it that way. It's a natural, healthy thing that actually can improve health. Did you know that in um, our female hormonal balance program that I wrote that's on our website, that you can can actually go there and purchase it um, at thetacticalkitchen.com? 
I actually have a section in there about how to reset your hormones very quickly. And that is one of the mechanisms to do that. It actually resets your hormones. So if you want more information about that program, just go to the tactical kitchen com, which you can get to through the tacticalkitchenshow.com, and I'll put a link as well. With, with all that said, eating cornflakes is going to suppress your testosterone, so make you less of a man in the long run. So that's why we recommend the eggs and bakey when you wakey. Yeah, and you know what was funny was a lot of Americans at that time during the Kellogg Brothers, um, their health spa, so to speak, <laughs> people were eating a lot more fatty meats in the morning and things like that. And they thought that contributed to their sinfulness. So what they did was they came up with the very bland foods to damper down the sinfulness. So that's where I say a lot of times our dietary recommendations actually go back to people's religious views and beliefs and world, world views. So it's really interesting to see how that played a part in making cornflakes that still everyone, you know, you've got your cornflakes, your Wheaties, and all your breakfast cereals that became this billion, 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 and billion dollar industry. I don't know how many billions. Lots of billions. Lots of billions. And it's still going today. Right. And I loved cereal. I'll have to say I liked a bowl of cereal in the morning. I grew up basically on uh, sugar bear and frosted flakes. So the, the fact that I'm still a man is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's <is> amazing. <laughs> well, we have a lot of eggs and bacon now. So that's a funny article. Now, what did you find this week? Okay, mine's not quite so funny, but you it's know, pretty funny. It's a little funny. You know, you always think of gorillas as being these herbivores, and I know that. Um, I don't know a lot about gorillas. I've never spent time with gorillas. I've seen them at the zoo, but <laughs> all I know is what I've heard uh, other researchers say. But I always thought of gorillas as these plant eaters, which they are, obviously. But did you know they have a higher fat diet than we do? I did not know that until you told me that. I know. Their diet is actually comprised of 80% saturated fats. And the reason why is because they have this super large bowel that they can ferment those vegetables and those or those plants materials into these short-chain fatty acids, and the definition of a short-chain fatty acid is saturated fat. So gorillas actually eat more saturated fat than we do. It just takes them all day long of chewing and chewing and chewing and digesting to get there. When I can sit down to a steak that has a bunch of saturated fat in it, and I can get there in about 30 minutes, you know? (laughs) Well, this argument has been posed by vegetarians and vegans before about how a gorilla has, he's huge and muscular, and all he eats in fruits is vegetables. Now, as humans, why can't we do that? Well, we just don't have that capability to ferment that much plant material. I mean, you look at our abdomens, they're not near the size of a gorilla's. We don't have that large colony of bacteria in our colon, which makes it extremely hard for us to extract those nutrients from those plant fibers. And when we can go the shorter route and just eat the saturated fat, we don't have to turn all the plant material into those short chain fatty acids. We can go ahead and just consume them and absorb those through our small intestine. And this information came from that video I love so much where Dr. Barry Groves explains it so well about how and what we are designed to eat. And we'll post another link to that. But the whole point that 
when we get food down into our, these fibers down into our large colon or our large intestine, rather, we're wanting to get vitamins B1, B2, B12, and vitamin K extracted out of those foods. That's what our colon is trying to do. And the whole idea that we need to eat vegetables to get those is really funny because the main source of every single one of those vitamins that's bioavailable is an animal protein. So B1 is your thiamine, and that is found mostly in pork. So if you're eating your bacon, especially if it's well-sourced and, you know, we want to also focus on quality. But you you know get what you can afford, but you're getting that that source of thiamine. Then B2 is riboflavin, and that's coming from organ meats and oily fish, milk and eggs, and it's absorbed in the small intestine. Then you've got B12, and that is a primarily found in your protein uh, from animals, and that we can manufacture that in our colon. However, we have no idea. They don't know how much of that once it's produced in the colon, can actually be absorbed into the body, which is really interesting. So you might be eating all that fruit and vegetable to get that B12 that way and it not be absorbed. That's Because your digestion has to be really good to do that. Right. You have no idea whether or not you're absorbing or getting out all that B12 out of those vegetables that you're eating. Exactly. And the K, vitamin K is found in animal sources like liver, egg yolks, milk, yogurt, and fish. And that is responsible to help us clot our blood when necessary, which is really important to keep us from dying when we get injured. But the real kicker for all of these vitamins is that they're all absorbed through the small intestine. So the garbage bin of the body, which is the colon, that's the last ditch effort to try to get these vitamins extracted out of the food that you've eaten, which is the fiber that's left over. So that's the last ditch effort. And butyrate being one of the main sources of food for your colon, a lot of us that eat this way, we're eating a lot of butter. Butter is such an excellent source of butyrate for the colon that I really don't, I haven't seen any problem with eating that way. Well, this is just a really a great example of how humans are omnivores, but we primarily work best on animal protein. And that is from an anthropological standpoint. We've always ate a lot of fat and a lot of meat, mainly organs, but our body has adapted to, if we don't have access to a lot of those meats, that we can use fruits and vegetables to extract what we need, which is the saturated fat. Which is so amazing that we are flexible like that, which means that we can survive, and that's why we've survived for so long as a species, because we have the ability to do that. It's just amazing. Now that we've talked about our weird nutrition facts of the week, I just love that gorillas eat 80% saturated fat. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket all the time. We are now going to move on to what we've been doing this week in our life. So as you know, we've been doing our carnivore experiment for about 90 days. Uh, However, we wanted to add some stuff back just to see how it affects our bodies because Just because we eat 100% meat doesn't mean that's what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. We're experimenting here, as we recommend everyone else do. So we started adding some stuff back, and what did we start first with? Well, I probably added something back before anyone else did. The other night, we had worked out really hard, which is something we talked about last week, how we were going to really ramp up our workouts, and we did. 
Um, we really upped our game this last week with two a days and lots of lots of weightlifting and lots of uh, hit workouts, more CrossFit style stuff. And one night before bed, I just had this feeling of like I just want an apple. I want an apple, and we keep fruit and other things in the house for our. So we keep fruit and things like that in the house for our kids. So. We had some green apples, and I went ahead and had one. I peeled the peeling off of it, and I put a little nut butter on the apple after I cut it up, and I ate it. And the whole time, I had this feeling of, like, I'm doing something so wrong right now. I'm eating a giant piece of candy, which is what it felt like. But I wanted to see what would happen to my sleep, to my digestion, and how I would feel after eating that, because I hadn't had an apple. I can't even tell you the last time I've had an apple, but my body felt like it needed it. And that's why we talk about a tactical kitchen. I felt like I needed that, and I ate it, and I felt fine. And a lot of people would ask, why would you add things back into your diet? And we have referred to our carnivore experiment as a detoxing diet, that you're detoxing your body. An important thing is when you start adding things back in, you want to see how those foods affect your digestion, uh, affect your how you feel, affect any inflammation in your body. Because for me, we did this for a while and we were just eating animal protein and I found that when I removed milk, that inflammation in my knee went down dramatically and it doesn't come back. So when you do this detox diet and you do it for so long and you start adding foods back in, you really can dial down what foods affect you as far as inflammation and digestion goes. Right. So now I know that I can eat a green apple. I don't know if I can eat the peeling yet because I peeled it off just because I was wanting to remove that little more fibrous content. I wasn't sure what would happen when I ate that apple. So I wanted to make it as easy to digest as possible. And it it really did work. One thing that I did notice as soon as I ate it, about five minutes after eating and it was bedtime, I did feel very sleepy. And it was like I take I had taken a sleeping pill and I was ready to go to bed. And I'm not sure whether to equate that with the apple or the fact that we had done two killer workouts for the day and we had worked all day long. Those two things together, I can't really separate. But the apple did not affect my digestion. I didn't have any skin rashes pop up. So that was good. Mm-hmm. We also added back in avocado. We did add a little avocado back in. That is when someone says, okay, if I'm going to start adding food back in after being carnivore for a while, what would be the easiest thing? I would say avocado. It's still healthy fats. It has fiber in it, but it's not fibrous. And you're going to be able to digest it easily. And it just has a lot of good nutrients. And I always agree with Dr. Georgia Ede that said, in her uh, one of her presentations, she would argue that fruits and vegetables with seeds want you to eat them. Although I've said it's funny because avocados have such a huge seed. I don't know how you would, <laughs> how you would eat that, that one. and then deposit it somewhere. But I do, I do think avocados are very easy on most people's digestive system. Some people have a sensitivity to them, but you can tell very quickly if you've cut them out for 90 days and then added one back in if it affected you negatively. So you can add avocados from Mexico. You can. I don't know if we'll get charged for doing that right there. (laughs) I love avocados. They're really good. And that's one of the things that we ate often before. So I was 
happy we got to add it back in and it did not bother me at all. No, it didn't. And when someone asks about how you should add foods back in, the first thing I would say, any kind of elimination diet that you do, you want to stick with that for 90 days. And the reason is how your body works. Within 90 days, you're going to have new red blood cells because that's how long they take to turn over. You're also going to have a new digestive tract for the most part, and your stomach actually replaces its lining in 21 days. So when you wait that 90 days before you add something back in, you're kind of working with a fairly clean and new system. We want to talk about what we did today because everybody knows we start our coffee with, I mean, start our coffee. We start our day with a fat coffee. And today we did something a little drastic as far as uh, we're concerned. It was drastic for me. And I almost, I can't ever equate whether I have weird anxiety feelings from the food (laughs) or just the anxiety of like, I'm eating something that's so off base from what we've been doing. I'll tell you what we had. It was not carnivore (laughs) at all. We went to the other, not complete other end of the spectrum, but pretty close. So, <laughs> I have an old um, website called themelodyofcooking.com. You can go there and you can find this recipe. It's a vanilla protein pancake. And what it is, it's just some water, some old-fashioned oats. Um, it's egg whites. Oh, no. Everyone's out there shaking their head Everybody's right now. Everybody's cringing right now. I know. And a little bit of vanilla uh, or... I'm sorry, a little bit of, yeah, vanilla protein powder and some cinnamon. And I blend that in the blender and then I cook it like a pancake in a skillet and then put a little bit of nut butter and some berries in there. So you can see it was very low fat, about a third cup of oats for each one. So, you know, not that much, just a regular serving of of gluten-free old-fashioned oats but really higher in protein and no fat. And we didn't have a big fat coffee this morning. (laughs) And it was going to be interesting to see how this affected us. So how do you feel? Well, it's a great experiment because we take in so much fat early in the morning. And then our second, our, our first meal actually is usually eggs and bacon or eggs and sausage and some meat. So quite a bit more fat. So how will our body react when we don't push a whole lot of fat into it early. And that's what we're trying to find out. And I mean, right now I feel fine. Yeah, I feel I feel actually really pretty good. I think I had a little bit of an anxious feeling just because we were doing something different and I didn't know how it was going to affect us. What I always concern myself with is how it's going to affect your joint inflammation in your knee. And that's always my first thought. And I don't want to do anything to affect that negatively. But as a experimenter, as we are, it's good to know if our body can handle those things. Because I always go to that scene in The Walking Dead where they're up on the roof eating the chocolate pudding. And I always think if I had not eaten in a while and I had a can of that of industrial whole, cho- an industrial huge can of chocolate pudding. What would happen to me? Oh I mean, no gosh. zombie would want to eat me because I would probably just have diarrhea right there. Well, it'd be hard to tell because as it went in, it would look the same coming out, which would not be a very long <laughs> process. That would be horrible. So I always think about how our body can adapt and function in those kinds of situations. Not that I'm going to be in a Walking Dead situation, but if I get stuck at someone's house and 
you know, I am hungry and they don't have carnivore food. Can I eat that food and survive? Well, I would hope so. So doing a little experiment like this kind of lets us see where our body is at, how we can adapt, and we can just go right back to eating our carnivore diet, our next meal. And what we're looking for is how food affects us. And that helps us transition to the next point that we're going to talk about that we found a study this week posted by uh, someone we, we follow, Dr. Dominic Diagostino, posted a study in reference to autism and how a ketogenic diet was beneficial for children with autism. And we get asked about this pretty often, and we have a small amount of experience with this in our own lives. So we do know that a ketogenic diet is very beneficial for kids with learning disabilities or um, any kind of attention deficit disorders, sensory processing disorder, things like that, that once you feed the brain fat, it really takes the fat, those ketones in and uses them as fuel because what's going on with the brain that can't use glucose? What are you going to do? And, and that's one of the uh, th- theories that they have put out there is that kids with ADHD, kids with autism, one of the uh, problems they have is their brain's inability to uptake glucose and use it as fuel. And they've shown this with a PET scan. In this study specifically, they showed it was a six-year-old boy that they tested it on, and he was resistant to any any uh, medications that they had given him. Right. So he wasn't responding. They tried a ketogenic diet, and within a month, he improved, and they did the PET scan. They showed the inability to uptake glucose into his brain. So with impaired glucose uptake, we know that that is also something we find in Alzheimer's patients. And we know they do very well with ketones for fuel in the brain, which makes sense that a child who can't uptake glucose for fuel in the brain would benefit from a ketogenic diet. So what else did they find in this study? Did they find that their behavior improved? He had uh, an, an increased behavior, so he was much easier to talk to, way more social, so interactive with other people, and it seemed that his intelligence cues went up. That makes sense, because if you think of your brain as this, it's our hungriest organ, right? It uses the most fuel, and if it's not getting that fuel, it's starving, and it can't function. And when you give it the right fuel that it can use, which we can use ketones, or we can use glucose in our brain, and they can start using that ketone fuel as a fuel source, then you can imagine it's like the lights turn on. And and that's why this works is because since they can't uptake glucose and they go on a ketogenic diet and they start producing ketones endogenously, their brain, it's like it was starving and then you started giving it food because ketones are actually the brain's preferred fuel. And this has also been proven by Dr. Dr. Stephen Cunane with the PET scan. He gave a patient ketones and glucose and the brain latched onto the ketones first. And that's so amazing because when you when you watch TV or you see uh, advertisements in magazines and they talk about kids with ADHD or even adults with adult attention deficit disorder, you know, adults that can't pay attention, which how many of us are there? <laughs> <laughs> so what do they recommend to people to, to take? It's always like, here, we want to, you have attention problems and you can't be still, so let's give you a stimulant. You're already overstimulated, so let's give you more stimulants. Well, you know, in the, in the morning, especially Sunday mornings, well, only Sunday mornings is when we watch television for the most part. We watch the, the Sunday morning show because it's it's fun and it's usually filled with stories that are uplifting or inspirational. 
But every single commercial, it seems like, is a commercial for some type of medication. It is because I think the show is geared for older people. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that makes me feel I, I because I'm in that category now. Because we watch that show. So yeah, every single episode or every single commercial is a drug. And what do they say in everyone? Go ask your doctor about this. Go ask your doctor if this prescription is right for you. And one of them that we heard this morning was so amazing. I mean, I think everyone should run out and ask their doctor for this. The, the side effects to the medication were so crazy that I couldn't believe that anyone would ever attempt to take it. But what they're doing is by marketing all these medications, they're making you think that this is the only way to get better. The only way you can get better is by taking a medication. Okay, so before we tell you what the medication is and what it was used for, there was a story right before, well, this is going to give away what it was, what the medication was for, but the story right before in the show was about cancer. And in the story, they talk about, it was a young, young boy who had cancer, had brain cancer, and the whole gist of the story of the parents are fairly wealthy, and their idea was that you can buy a cure. You can yeah. absolutely buy a cure. If you throw enough money at cancer, then we can get rid of it. We can get rid of it. That's what they said. Now, what are they doing here? They're trying to, like we talked about before, they're trying to get rid of the symptoms, but not the cause. And how much money was it that they wanted to throw at it? They wanted to throw $250 million at cancer research, and the, the researcher said, yes, that would buy hope. It buys hope, but when they asked the researcher if two hundred and fifty million would help, I thought he was—I thought the smile on his face was going to just break his jawbones because you're telling him, "Hey, if we give you two hundred and fifty million dollars, can you do something with it?" Oh yeah, totally, man. We can totally do it. We could totally, yeah. We could we could buy some hope with that. Buy some hope, not a cure, only hope. But if you were to approach that same doctor and say, "Hey, what do you think about doing a ketogenic diet?" What do you think they'd say? Well. Our experience, and I'm sure a lot of you have had the same experience, that when you tell your doctor that you're doing a ketogenic diet, the first thing that they do generally is raise their eyebrow and look at you and say, that's very dangerous. Now, going back to side effects of medication, how dangerous are the side effects of the medication that Okay, so about? we know that when we go to the doctor and we have something wrong with us, the first thing that they will do is offer us a prescription. They whip out the prescription pad or on their computer, and they will prescribe us a statin if our cholesterol is too high or, you know, a drug for our anti to uh, help our depression, if an antidepressant if we're depressed, without any thought about how dangerous that can be. So this particular drug that is geared towards the treatment of uh, advanced non-small cell lung cancer is called Opdivo. What it does is it works with, this is what the announcer said, it works with the immune system. But in the same breath, the announcer said, but it can cause your immune system to attack normal tissues and organs in your body and how they work. This may happen at any time during or after treatment and can lead to death. I'm going to hmm. say that that's pretty dangerous. It will. Is that as dangerous as a ketogenic diet? I don't think so. <laughs> we know it's not. But it was just interesting because then I went to the... Because, you know, they rattle off the risks uh, last mm -hmm. and all, the, all the side effects last. They hope you're That's, not paying attention. They've already hooked you and you've moved on. Right. You don't care about that. And they say them really quick. So you just brush by them. 
But I went to the website and I pulled up the side effects and the side effects are ridiculous. I mean, they're so long. And what's funny is there's uh, opposing side effects. Like you could uh, get diarrhea. You could get constipated. You could vomit. You could die. You could lose your hair. You could grow hair in weird places. (laughs) So everything is like what the last very last one was super weird. Um, all it said was tearing. I don't know tearing of what. It didn't say. Mm-hmm. Just tearing. Just your body's going to tear. There's no telling. It's going to tear in places. And your skin's going to get loose was one of them. But they're making you think that anytime you have an ailment, that they're, they're, you have to take a medication for it. Now, something happened to you this week that uh, we could talk about where a lot of people take medications for migraines. Yeah, and I haven't had one of these in a really long time, and I know what triggered it. It was my ramping up my activity. We started working out so much harder, and I was pushing my body harder than I have in a long time, and I'm an all or nothing. I mean, you had to tell me to, (laughs) you had to tell me to dial it in, which is why I always get worried about adding back in carbs, because I'm like that all or nothing person. If I add carbs, I might add all the carbs. (laughs) So I did that with my workouts this week, and um, I started getting this ocular migraine. And if you don't know what an ocular migraine is, you can you can Google it. But what it is is you see like this kaleidoscope-looking thing in your eye, and then usually that's fo- followed by a headache, a migraine headache. And they're really weird at first and scary if you've never had one. Hope you never do. But this is what I started researching a long time ago when I had them a little more often, and it ends up being that usually it's a mineral imbalance, and which would make a lot of sense. Upped my workouts, triggered some sweating and some electrolyte usage, and I got a little bit out of balance in my minerals, my electrolytes. What I did, rather than take an acetaminophen or a migraine medication, that's hard on my liver because my liver has to detoxify that. I chose, and I have chosen several times, to use a um, powdered magnesium mixed in water with some electrolyte drops and some pink Himalayan salt. And I keep that mixed up in old bottle, old like kombucha bottles I repurpose. Mm-hmm. And I keep that mixture in my refrigerator. So if one of those ever does come on, as soon as I see that little twinge of that kaleidoscope, I just chug that thing down and get the magnesium, the salt, the electrolytes. And then I wait for about 15 minutes. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't start to go away, I add a little more salt and magnesium and potassium and then... I wait, and usually within 15 to 20 minutes, the whole thing is gone. So I stopped it in its tracks. Now, this is important because it goes back to something we talked about earlier is you're treating the actual cause of the migraine, not just the symptoms. So if you take an Excedrin or any any migraine medication, you're just treating the symptoms of the ailment. Right, because you're just blocking pain receptors. You're not actually getting to the cause of what's causing that migraine. You know, this could be about anything. This could be inflammation. You've got to get to the root cause of what's causing that ailment and fix that. Because if I would have just thrown an Excedrin at it and not balanced my electrolytes, I would have really just suppressed those symptoms for a little bit and I wouldn't have figured out 
how to fix it without taking something toxic. And this goes to most of the ailments that we know of today, all the chronic diseases, all the autoimmune diseases, uh, also with cancer and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. When you go to the doctor, they treat the symptoms. Yes. But they, they don't treat the actual cause. So how do you do that? They, when you go to a doctor and they're treating you for a cancer tumor, the tumor is the symptom of something that happened in your body that was incorrect. They don't treat that process that happened that was incorrect. They only treat the tumor. And that's why cancers come back. Right, because what's, what's cancer? Cancer is a mitochondrial dysfunction. It's an overabundance of glucose in the system, so the cancer has something to breed on. It really lacks glucose. Now, we do know there are a few cancers out there that are that do uh, will use ketones as fuel. And I'm not super familiar with that, but there's a lot of experts on cancer that could talk about that. Maybe we'll have the chance to have someone on uh, and talk about that with us. But we do know primarily that cancer thrives in a glucose environment. Correct. It's a, it's a cell that replicated that was supposed to die. It had a, a, a dysfunctional mitochondria. It's supposed to die, but it doesn't. And then it starts to replicate. And it does that when there's a high glucose environment. If you just treat the tumor and you don't treat the glucose problem, that blood sugar regulation, then your chance of maybe reducing the tumor size or getting rid of the cancer for a short time can be there, but your potential to have that cancer come back is still there because you still have that same environment. You haven't changed anything. So why, if you haven't changed anything that got used to having cancer, how do you expect it to not come back? That's the point here is that treat the cause, not the symptom. That's how you get past it. That's what we are all about, the tactical kitchen. And that's why we do these weird, funky experiments on ourselves because we want to know how they affect us. And we want to get to root causes of our issues. And maybe that will help someone listening. Well, I hope so. I hope what we're doing here helps people learn more about their diets, their bodies, their health. That's what we're trying to do. I know. And I'm, you know, we get the question about cholesterol so often. Um, I just want to throw this out there. I was able to talk to Dave Feldman of Cholesterol Code this week, and we have an interview scheduled with him coming up, which would air in a few weeks. And I'm so excited to talk to him because he loves to do weird, wacky experiments too. Did you know right now he is purposefully gaining body fat through the use of bread to test his (laughs) cholesterol to see how it works with gaining weight, gaining body fat, and then going on a ketogenic protocol and losing that body fat and how it affects his LDL cholesterol. I really appreciate people who do things like this so that we can have some more data and more information. That way we have more information when we go and talk to our doctor about our cholesterol because he totally loses his mind when he sees my cholesterol numbers, which are are high compared to everyone else, which I'm completely comfortable with. I believe high cholesterol is a marker of health and not uh, a marker of being unhealthy. So I'm really excited to have uh, Dave on the show so we can talk to him and he can interpret my numbers for me. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he can. His big thing that I just had read about was remnant cholesterol. And when I did ours, yours was 14, mine was 12. So my understanding is that if it's under 18, that's like, totally optimal. So I think we're okay. So we'll be talking to him about remnant cholesterol and his experiment to see how, uh, how he's looking at cholesterol from a different view. And he's an engineer. So I love that because he has lots of questions and he looks at the body in that way 
an engineer does where it works in systems, which is exactly how the body works. It works in systems, and it's so interesting. So we are very excited about that. Okay, well, I think that wraps up about everything we can talk about today. Right. I do want to mention one last thing. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, this Thursday, um, which would be the third Thursday of April, and I'll get that date very quickly right here. I'm going to look at my phone. That's going to be April the 19th. We are part of an organization called Third Thursday Thrive. You can find more information at the link I'll post in the show notes. And it is an organization that was started by Dr. Jason Dixon in the Fort Worth area to bring together naturopathic practitioners and different holistic care providers in one under one roof where you can come and for $10 at the door, you can see any of the practitioners you want for that evening. When you come this week, there's going to be some offers for 10% off of all the different practitioners, uh, their regular services. And that would be an awesome way for you to get introduced to holistic care and naturopathic health providers. It's like a care provider buffet, if you will. It is. <laughs> you pay you pay a price at the door and then you sample the different providers to see if they work for you. Do I like this one? Is this good? Mm, tastes kind of uh, not so good. <laughs> oh, they'll all be delicious. <laughs> they're, all, they're all very delicious providers. <laughs> So yeah, that's it for this week. And again, go to our website, thetacticalkitchen.com for more information on how to work with us and also get that uh, Tactical Flow Female Hormonal Balance Program. I can't talk straight. It's probably the carbs. (laughs) Too many carbs. Too many carbs. So we'll let you know how our experiment goes for the rest of this week. We're going to keep working out hard. Today's a rest day. Thank God. Okay, great. Everyone go out there, go forth, eat fat, and prosper. Later. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com. And visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.